This week's episode brought to you by a new podcast run by our very own David Day, The Positivacast. The Positivacast is a short daily podcast that is devoted to making your day better and giving you tips on ways to make other people's day better as well. Also, 9-11. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Your panel of expert hosts each week are Dr. Bryce Hansen, who holds a PhD in spookology, and Professor David Day, the foremost expert in scare no-nos. New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horror. Horrible. I'm David Day. And I'm Bryce Hanson. And you guys, I'm very excited today for this episode for a number of different reasons. I, uh, <laughs> baby, we got a new game on the way. We got a guest who's in studio with us, the the beautiful Aaron Hanson. Say hello, Aaron. Hello. This is this is Bryce's wife. You might have heard her on previous episodes. Well, one previous episode, the Hereditary episode. Aaron does not watch horror movies. Right. And so it's a delight for us to see her take on the horror movies that we can get her to watch, as well as just have a female perspective. Yeah, it's just nice. It's just nice to get that. That f- that rush of of feminine air in here, mm-hmm. you know, it just feels oh, better. It, it feels a lot more than feminine air. In yeah, it feels. There's a lot of ball laden air in this room. <laughs> it's very at upsetting. any given time. It's, you walk in here and you just kind of, <laughs> and so now it's it's a little bit sweeter. So, like I said today, I'm so excited for today's episode. But but first, before I tell you why exactly exactly why. Um, you guys make sure to visit our website. That's uh, www.horrormovietalk.com. And you can uh, head on over there to find links to our social media. Also, every single episode gets a blog write-up or a post write-up in the episodes uh, button up top. So you can go and surf through and find all all of the things that we're referencing in the episode. We include all the videos and stuff like that. that yeah, if you're wondering what movies we've reviewed probably the easiest way to do that on our website is go to the web go to the episodes tab and then there's a search bar on the right that you can just search for films if we've mentioned them or done a review on them we post new episodes every single wednesday so make sure to subscribe and leave a rating or review on itunes but all you got to do is click the five star four star three star button all of those are acceptable you know depending on your level of angst and um, also, you know, like I said at the start of, or like uh, Brennan said at the start of the hour, um, check out the Positivacast if you get a chance. It's just a uh, my personal podcast that aims to lighten your day, make it make it uh, breezier, easier, a little bit nicer. Today we will be talking about a delightful movie called Ready or Not. We'll start out by giving a brief review and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a miserable dredge where it makes you angry that you had to sit through it, 5 being an average film that hits all the expected marks, and 10 being a movie that transcends all genre boundaries and should probably get an Oscar but won't because it's a horror movie. Later... In the episode, we will give our score and get into spoilers to take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the, th- the film. 
Later in this episode, ladies and gentlemen, we will be debuting a new game. This game will help us earn our explicit rating. <laughs> yes. This is this new we, game. Our our podcast is marked as explicit because I, I thought like if we, we curse. drop an F-bomb every once in a while that it's not safe for kids. But apparently that's not really the metric. Oh, really? Like most podcasts, if it's not just completely laden with swears. Oh. It's it's fine if you drop like if you think about like a PG thirteen movie, you get one f bomb. You get one f bomb. Yeah, I don't think we're like terrible about it. No, but every once in a while, <laughs> this one this one will definitely earn that because the new game is called horror or porno, and I do have to warn our listeners: horror or porno is extremely explicit, and it will follow our spoiler section. Uh, of the review. So if you don't like hearing sex take place, or if you're easily offended or triggered, for the love of God, don't stick around for horror or porno. Yeah, we could do the the NPR um, warning of this episode doesn't contain explicit material, but it does acknowledge the existence of sex. Oh, this, <laughs> this definitely acknowledges the... Uh, so you know, I mean, let your let your mind figure out what this game is. I, I like that the name of the game is also another just mealy mouth. We're, what is it? What is it about? Like, par- like we're just bad at enunciating. I think. So no, like, it's par- a bunch of it's a bunch paranormal of paranormal activity. Is like when I listen to that episode, it just sounds like activity. It's just and a bunch like, of R's, you know, horror or porno. It's the same reason why it's like it's cruel and unusual punishment to subject a child who 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 has a um a, a, you know difficulty pronouncing things like you don't make them say the word squirrel you just don't do it right that's cruel so it's horror or porno right okay yeah got it and uh, and so yeah let's uh, let's get into our let's get into the review of the movie we did see. Ready or not, in theaters, and while my expectations were extremely low, I can honestly say that this is one of the best new movies I've seen all year. It's a dark comedy that has plenty of high stakes and tension, which made for a fabulous experience. And other notable movies this year, I'd say ones that were as good or better than this one, there's only two that I can think of, and they're Midsummer and The Dead Don't Die. Yeah, and I'd put Us up there, but I think we were split on that one. Yeah. I mean, Us was like a really high quality movie, but it's not nearly as satisfying as Midsummer or Ready or Not. Yeah, I don't believe it's as entertaining as as uh, as The Dead Don't Die or this or right. Midsummer. Yeah, The Dead Don't Die. That's the new James Bond movie, right? Yes. Just <laughs> checking. Yeah. So with that, let's play the trailer for Ready or Not. Okay. believe that in half an hour I will be a part of the Ladomus Gaming Dynasty Empire. Uh, Dominion. We prefer Dominion. I honestly can't wait to be a part of your family. There's just one more thing. And then you are officially part of the family. So, at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What game? Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Welcome. 
The rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then try to find you. So there's no way for me to win, right? We stay hidden until dawn. <laughs> no, thank you. Good luck. This? How old is this thing? I know you're in here. Oh, Jesus. You shot the maid. Does she look like she's wearing a giant white wedding dress, Emily? <laughs> Holy shit. I had to play along so that I can get you out. It's insane. They think they have to kill you before sunrise. Or something very bad will happen to the family. If we don't find her and perform the ritual, we're all dead. Found her. So that trailer hits me a totally different way after watching the movie. Before I watched the movie, the reason I was so nonplussed and not excited for this movie was that trailer just it just smacked of cute and like like a like a amped up version of Clue, the movie Clue. Right. That that type of snarky movie is so overdone and it's done by people that don't know how to pull it off. Yeah, and so I'm always highly skeptical about whether a trailer that has like actual interesting parts in it, <laughs> you know, right? The premise they lay out pretty much the whole premise of the movie in that trailer, and it's like if you laid out the the twist in Dale and Tucker or Cabin in the Woods, and you right. just put it right up front, yeah, then you'd be like. Oh, well, I'm not going to go see that movie. Right. And they laid it all out and did the snarky bits. And I'm like, all right, well, without the context, the snarky bits aren't as funny as they are in the movie. Right. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, oh, it's a trailer that shows all the good parts and they're not really that good. This is bad news. Yeah. But somehow, so, but Aaron's picker, she knew some she she was on to something she showed up with us wanting to see this movie what what was it about did you see the trailer for this oh yeah i saw the trailer facebook gave me the trailer because i because i love no because i follow you guys <laughs> on on facebook because i love my husband and I, I'm and like the show the, and, and the show too and um, what, I don't know. I, Aaron, I saw the what is though. what is your favorite episode of horror movie talk? Would you um, say Hereditary? Okay. Oh, well, that's a good one. I like that one too. You were on that one. Yeah, you were oh, on that one. Was huh. I? Yes, okay. yes, you were. Um, what would be like your second favorite? 
Um, <laughs> the dead don't die. Okay. Oh, that was well, good... that's kind of suspect since you just said you never Crap. heard of that movie before. But all right, moving on. Yes. No, the trailer was great. I, I loved... Um, okay, so I was a little suspect too because Samara Weaving had the kind of snarky Emma Stone yeah. delivery. But I was intrigued because I thought, you know, well, maybe... This is kind of a sarcastic movie. Um, and then, I mean, it looked kind of interesting. And then at the, I think one of the taglines was like, don't, you've messed with the wrong bride or something like that. And I was like, oh, I'm sold. I'm in. This is, this is going to be a bride kicks the in-laws ass kind of a movie. And I was, and boy, I, I'm, I am here for it. Boy, was it. Man, this this was a a fabulous. This was just a fun time. Like I I had a, such a great time watching this movie. And like I said before, it can be found in theaters right now. Ready or not is the story of a beautiful young couple, Grace, played by Samara Weaving, as uh, as Aaron said, and which is like a poor man's version of Margot Robbie. That's so rude. It's no. She looks like Margot Robbie. She looks like. But if she you're, sounds if you, like Emma Stone. Yeah. If but, you're a producer and you're like. This movie would be perfect for Margot Robbie, but we don't have the money for it. Who's the next best choice? Yeah, but Margot Robbie is just a poor man's version of that other girl who looks exactly like Margot Robbie who came before her. From uh, moving on. Uh, so this is the story of a beautiful young couple, Grace, played by Samara Weaving, and Alex Le Damas, played by Mark O'Brien. Uh, you may remember Sarah, Samara Weaving from The Babysitter, which I believe was a Netflix uh, uh-huh. movie. And that was by Mick G. Yeah. And you w- might remember Mark O'Brien from Arrival. He played a small part in that. He has a lot of like TV credits. Yeah, he does. On their wedding day at Alex's family estate is when this movie takes place. The Le DeMoss family are heirs and proprietors of a Milton Bradley-esque board game company and are kind are the kind of wealthy that begats butlers, maids, and like 20 dumbwaiters in their palatial mansion. The Le DeMoss family are made up of Alex's brother, Daniel, uh, his father, uh, Tony, Mother, Becky, who's played by Andy McDowell of Groundhog Day. <laughs> She's Anytime I see her, I just think Groundhog Day. I'm just like, oh, Groundhog's Day. It's it's that movie now. She's been in so many movies. Yeah, but Groundhog's Day, though. <laughs> Have you seen that one? What what other movies? Like, when, when you see Andy McDowell, what movies do you think of? Okay, well, they're all from the 90s. Like they're all Groundhog's Day. Duplicity. Multiplicity. M- multiplicity. Oh, yeah, with, with Steve. Buscemi? <laughs> no, with with uh, Michael I Keaton. Like oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Le Damas family are as proud as they are superstitious and cruelly witty. Right before they consummate their marriage, Alex tells his new wife that in order to be accepted into the family, she has to play a game with them at midnight. She agrees, and through a ritualistic choosing method, she learns that she will be playing hide-and-seek she soon learns that hide-and-seek is the only game you don't want to play with the Le Damas family, as they are now going to attempt to kill her to hold up their end of a bargain with the devil that their great-great-grandfather made, or something along those lines. Maybe. Wow, this is getting into spoiler territory. Well, I mean, it's it's not really. This is the basic premise of the movie, I'd, I'd say. 
Uh, anyway. Uh, okay. Okay, so that that's the that's the one part that they don't really reveal in the trailer is that there's a supernatural element to this that it's not just a group of rich people that Yeah, but are is there a game? Is there though? I mean, at the end kind of not. Or is it? <laughs> Ready or not is Good save. Ready or not is directed by Matt Bettinelli, Oplin, Alpin, and Tyler Gillette who are most notable for the underground horror favorite VHS. Lots of people who worked on this film have some horror chops already. A lot of the people I named have been, there's uh, like Daniel, the brother was in Jennifer's body. Um, and, uh, you know, Samara weaving did the babysitter and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's interesting. When I was looking through the IMDB for a lot of the actors, they're not recognizable to me. They're all really good. Right. And a lot of them have, so like, um, Sorry, Alex, the main character, Mark O'Brien, mm-hmm. he's like really good yeah. in this movie, and he's not in any major films as a major part, but he's got got chops. Like a uh, IMDb page that goes back to like ninety five. I think he was wow. like a child actor or something, and he's got a ton of credits. And a lot of the the cast is in uh, horror TV shows. Um, yeah, that slipped my mind right now, but they're they're recognizable if you're a big fan of horror TV, probably. Yeah, so uh, that may play some role in how well it turned out. I think most of the credit for this coming together can't be attributed to any single source. Um, there's this movie contained truly witty banter mixed with horrendous scenes of shocking brutality that punctuate the just another day feel of this black comedy. I was so impressed with this movie from the 15 minute mark and on that I have no choice other than to score it highly. I will be watching it again the same way I watch Cabin in the Woods and Tucker and Dale versus Evil to have fun while laughing at incredibly dark comedy. I gave this a nine out of ten. Yeah, I. I'm struggling. I was struggling with whether to score this nine or a ten. Yeah, I was too. And I think I'm going to go with a ten out of ten because it felt like a perfect movie. It's not. I mean, if our criteria is it should win an Oscar, but it won't. I mean, Black Panther was <laughs> was nominated for an Oscar. This could easily so this, win an Oscar. This could definitely be up there and like you said like the it the sum of its parts are greater than each individual part and it works so well the characters are there the acting is great the direction is great there's there's iconic scenes from this movie yeah and i think if there's justice in the world this will become a horror classic i think I think also on that same note, the dead don't die. If if there's any justice, it's on on par or better than this movie. They're like they are very very similar movies in their. I mean, the dead don't die is a little bit more tongue in cheek, right? And, and a, a little, little more art house. A little more this, art house, but it's got. I mean, look at the people it's got on it. Right, ready or not is definitely sleeper. A yeah, a sleeper, but it's a general audience's. I, I can't think of. Anyone that wouldn't like this movie, if you're open to seeing the horror movie. I mean, even Aaron wanted to see it, which is shocking. Yeah, what did you think, Aaron? I thought it was great. I mean, I don't handle gore very well, so I was covering my eyes a few times. But sure. I think... I think 
I think nine or ten. I'm I'm having a hard time going back and forth between those because I mean, I think it definitely could cross over into general audiences going to see it. Um, yeah, yeah. I but, I I hope this movie gets the recognition that I think it deserves. I I hope people show up for this movie. Like I, it's one of the best. It's like one of, if not the best horror movie of the year. Oh yeah. And it's one of the best movies of the year. Right. It's, I can't think of any other move outside of horror movies, any other movies that I liked more than this one. It was such a, it was such a fun time. It was just a blast to go see. Yeah. So definitely, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, the more I think about it, the more I'm cemented at 10 out of 10 for this one. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's totally fair. I think, I think I look at um, the, my reasoning for the nine instead of the ten is I look at the, the the elite echelon that that I play that I place ten at, and this for me it just doesn't it doesn't quite get there. This sits at Cabin of the Woods and Tucker and Dale for me. This is this is very very good. This is very very funny. This is very very unexpected. Yeah, see, I'd give those two movies a ten too. I would give I would, I think I might give Cabin a ten. I think Cabin gets a ten. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, it just kind of boils down to the way it hits you, I suppose. Yeah. Um, before we get into spoilers, let's do the mid roll. First of all, if you guys would like to support the show and get some uh, some access to a bunch of extra content, you can check out our Patreon. Uh, just just head on over to our website horrormovietalk.com, and there's a link up at the top right, right up there, and you just click that, and then yeah. Get it? You get access to all the afterpods where we talk about a lot of personal stuff mm-hmm. and a lot of like a lot of shop talk about the the podcast and like. But only if you give us money. Yeah, but only if you give us money. You can also support the podcast by buying anything on Amazon as long as you head on over to our website and click the button at the top of the page. This is buy shit on Amazon. You buy that shit, and then we get some money from that shit. And you don't pay anything extra. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Also, if you're on our website on the episode for the episode post for this episode, there will be links in the post for like what you. I, I have a link on there to watch this movie when it. Uh, you can pre-order this movie through that link right now for fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. So, um, also, if you'd like to support the show, head on over to our friends, friends of the show, Shudder dot com. S H U D D E R dot com and enter h m t for horror movie talk at checkout and that gets you a 30 day free trial that you can just use to watch every single thing on shutter and then i don't know i'm not going to tell you what to do after that but you know what you know what i may be saying or may not be saying so how much do you like horror movies would you like to prove it by writing content about horror movies yeah write for us your content could be hosted on the horror movie talk blog. Yeah, we want to expand our our base, uh, our 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 base of content, and the only way we can do that because we don't have tons and tons of time is to reach out to horror movie talk fans and see if you guys would like to, you know, like to write for us. And if you would, hit us up on Facebook or send an e- email to info at horrormovietalk dot com, and we can set you up. I check that every week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks again for listening, and let's get into spoilers.
Spoilers. <laughs> so this movie starts with Daniel, a little little tiny boy, a little young, little 10-year-old Daniel, maybe 5-year-old Daniel, the brother of Alex, uh, helping to kill a guy in the family house. <laughs> to be precise, a guy is clearly trying to run away uh, from the other adults in the house. Oh, yeah, this is... <laughs> So you missed the ver- very first part of the movie because ver- you go out and you have oh, the yeah. worst the worst timing when you have to urinate. Yeah, we sat through like you know ten minutes of trailers and then you're like, all right, well I got to go just right as the movie <laughs> is starting. Well, so he- it was it, to be clear, I was already out of my seat and down the hall, and then the lights dimmed and I'm like, ah, fucking hell, da- Daniel was helping his brother Alex hide in a like a shiffer robe. <laughs> <laughs> was it a busted up old shiffer robe? No, just a regular one. Uh-huh. And he hides Alex in this wardrobe and there's a guy apparently being hunted by the rest of Daniel's family and then Daniel hollers and says, He's in here and then they come and kill him. And then violently in front yeah. of him. And and there Right there, well, they don't they don't kill him in front of him. They drag him off into the family p- game room, and uh, and they close the door, and, and he oh, doesn't get right. to see what happens back there. But he hears a lot of you know screaming, or maybe it was sex. It's very hard to tell the difference between a horror and a porno. Yeah. So we'll explore that later in the episode. Right. We sure, certainly. I think will. that scene was really important in establishing um, that these characters have complex motivations. In yeah. this movie, because the older brother, like your first um, introduction to him is he's like running through the house saying, come on, hurry up. We got to, you know, I got to protect you to his little brother. And then this guy's begging for help from him. And he's like, no, nah, dude, you're dead. Yeah. I'm, like like, I'm going to help my, them kill you. This is my tribe. I got to like you're you're on the menu, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So and he's so, not just good. He's not just saving his little brother. He is also bad at the same time because he's trying to kill this guy. Right. But he's also a little kid and all he knows is his family, you know. And and it is established later on in the movie that that Daniel feels a fair amount of guilt for you know, for uh, his part in this evil deed. It's just know? a great establishing scene. It yeah. sure is. Yeah. And then it jumps forward 30 years and we're introduced to Grace. 30 years, I think. Did I say 20? You I, said 40. 30. <laughs> you said 40 years. I said 30. Oh, All right. okay. We'll All go right. back to the tape. Yeah. I told you I said 30. So you gotta, <laughs> I'm you editing gotta, it. You got to clip the... <laughs> I'm editing it. <laughs> you can't pull the wool over my if all eyes. of a sudden you hear in the previous interchange that I'm like, and then we jump ahead 40 years. <laughs> Mr. Black. <laughs> so anyways, we jump ahead 30 years and are introduced to Grace, which is the fiance of Alex. And it's right on their wedding day. They're getting married and she's being introduced to all of Alex's family, which she has never met, right? But knows or is aware that they're a very wealthy family, where their money came from board games. You know how money does uh-huh. come from them big old board all games. those old money family, old board game 
money families. I actually that was kind of a fun tongue in cheek tongue in cheek joke. He he like mentioned another family. <laughs> the dad was like, "Oh, you don't want to mess with these these satanic pacts." You know, the uh the other family, the Olsen family or whoever the hell they are over there, they died. And they're yeah, like, they I heard they fire. I heard they died in a fire and he's like, "No, that's what they want you to think, but trust me, it's a lot worse than that." <laughs> <laughs> like this other board game family who also had a pact with the devil. <laughs> Dark board game deals. Do all rich families have pacts with the devil? Only board game Obviously. Rich. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, not like Bill Gates rich, but like board game rich. Yeah. I don't know. These guys own seven sports teams or something. Well, so. now they do. But it's, yeah, it's all, all these, those, all those oh, rich families, they're like, well, how did your dad make his money? And it's like, you know those those plastic caps on the end of... Of shoelaces, yeah, he made those. <laughs> that guy had a pact with the devil. Like that just doesn't make any sense, right? It's like we made post-it notes. Uh, <laughs> that was from Romy and Michelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the family, this 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 kind of kooky, strange family, is made of a bunch of rich people stereotypes, all of whom have biting dry wit and plenty of personal foibles. There are these all these different stereotype uh, people are is the overweight kind of uh, goofy uh, brother in law, the menacing aunt. She was like straight out of the Adams family. What was I can't remember the the name of the character. Aunt Helene. Aunt Helene. She remind me of who's what's the name of the character in the Emperor's New Groove played by Eartha Kitt. Yzma. Yzma. She's basically like Yzma in this movie. (laughs) Just. Sharp angled jawline with like a shock of white hair, and her entire character is staring menacingly at yeah people. It's so mostly mostly at Grace. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's the coked up sister who is hilarious. Uh A lot of comedy revolves around the coked up sister. Her unbearable rich kids that no, they're not really unbearable until you. Until, you know, later in the movie when you get to meet one of them. There's the man in charge father, the woman in charge of the man in charge mother, the unenthusiastic but well-meaning brother, and the come-from-the-street sister-in-law who will do anything to stay in this family because she knows what it's like to be Poe and she don't like it. This was really good casting. The mm-hmm. Daniel and Alex really looked like brothers. They did. Like, it was... You definitely had to look at which one had the the beard. Yeah, to be like, okay, that's Daniel. Yeah, he was a little. He he had darker hair and was a little bit. Uh, he he let his beard grow out a little bit. Another poor man's casting. The uh, the father in this is like the poor man's Bradley Whitford. He's been in everything. He's, he's been in a lot of stuff, but he's definitely in in this role. This role in this movie, you could have definitely swapped out him for Bradley Whitford. Yeah, Henry from uh, <clears throat> sorry, from Cabin in the Woods. Oh yeah. Yeah, his, and uh, he, he get was, out. He was played by Henry uh Zerny. So, yeah. you 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 may not recognize the name but you definitely know him from movies. He's the guy from Mission Impossible, yeah, the, the first Mission one. Impossible, the Mission Impossible bad guy, I think. He was the um the well what do they call the Mission Impossible, the yeah. MI I don't know. He MI was like six. he was Tom Cruise's liaison in the the scene with the big uh, aquarium that explodes. He was M. No, no, he was. The, That's okay. you're thinking of James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
in the scene where the aquarium explodes, he's the guy that Tom Cruise is talking to. Yeah, he had like an eye patch or something. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> he looks exactly the same. Maybe a like. How old is that movie? That's from the mid nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like he looks 95. exactly the same. No, he as looks. He, did. he looks younger in Mission Impossible. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, fewer wrinkles, but he really looks yeah. the same. Very recognizable face. Yeah. Um, so Grace kind of is like, oh, you're goofy family. And he's like, they're not so goofy all the time. <laughs> and she's like, that's okay. I want to get married to you anyway. He kind of gives her an out. He's like, are you sure you want to, sure you want to do this? And she's yeah, like, yes, honey, of course. And it's it's like, very foreboding of like, you know, you don't have to do this. Right. She's yeah. like, I, I know that, but we're going to get married. Right. She's like, okay. Yeah. I mean. Cool. You don't know the stakes at all to agree to, but yeah, yeah, we're gonna. So they, so they get, they get hitched and then they're, they, they reenter their honeymoon suite. And you know what, you know what happens in the honeymoon suite. You guys know, right? What? Right after you get married. You grab boobs. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I'm looking at you in the dress. And then, uh, and then they look over and the, for the, the spooky staring aunt is standing there in the room with them. And she says, you're going to have to hide better than that. <laughs> you're going to have to hide better than that. And he's like, and he's like, we're not fucking hiding, obviously. <laughs> Which was the first, the, the first moment in this movie where I started to believe, Hey, this is funny and good. Hey, this is funny right. and good. Right. Yeah, the ant character really sells the tone of this movie early on. Yeah. She she goes full like a uh, 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 gypsy from Drag Me to Hell in this. Like right. she's so committed. Wow. Really hot. So committed to her role on on this one. And it works really, really well. Uh, at that point, Alex explains. So they don't. They do not consummate the marriage. That's a little important. And and Alex explains to Grace that they play a game at midnight. I mean, this is pretty much the worst thing that he could do to her is have the wedding, not have sex with her, then also make her stay up past midnight. <laughs> like, how exhausted would you be on your wedding day? Like, how much did you want to go to sleep after after our wedding well, yeah, I was pretty tired, but I mean, it, in the in the movie, it's like it's like hours later. The whole all the parties left, the guests are gone, so it's I mean, it's pretty close to midnight it's already. Wi- it's, it's winding down. For yeah, sure. I mean, they're not like sitting around waiting. The family's like, "Come on, let's go. We got to do this game. It's almost midnight." Right. So Alex reveals that his family has a tradition where. Anyone new in the family that gets married into the family has to play a game. And it, there's and, no telling what the game could be. It could be chess or checkers or backgammon. But you can definitely tell there's some kind of menacing undertone there. And also since you saw the opening of the movie and they killed someone. He does mention to her, he says, you don't have to win. You just have to play. That's all. That's all it is. We're just going to play a game. Yeah. So the father tells the story of the Les Domas family fortune and explain the origin of this small box which is you know definitely a horror trope the small box full of evil yeah a little pandora's uh box okay i thought the box was super cool and this is why because it the sound design made it sound like oh it's a machine it's doing this machine thing but when they explain what it is 
And then this, they don't explain how it's even possible that you put in a blank card and something comes out. Uh-huh. Like, how, I mean, you hear the machine clicking and everything, but there's definitely something extra. Like, there's something supernatural about it because there's no, like, printing. There's no, you know, these are all the different options, like, in the box. It's literally just a tiny box. They put a card in, comes out with the answer. Like, it's, there's something more than just the, you know, the machine clicking and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's explained through a couple side conversations that there's only a chance that the game might be deadly. Right. Like, out of all the options, you know, you could play Yahtzee, you could play checkers or chess. Old maid. Or, you know, being hunted to the death. Right, but old maid too. But old maid too. Right. So they And Grace's game, she's like, All right, fine, whatever, I'll do your stupid tradition, I'll yeah. play your game and I'm gonna win. Ha ha ha. Yeah, and it feels like a very like old rich family weird tradition. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like something like uh what's that what's that secret society that like the bushes were part of? Oh yeah. Um the Illuminati. No. <laughs> The lizard like people? the Harvard well, one? Yeah, that one. The skulls? <coughs> Isn't that like a movie? Yeah, the, the skulls? Skull. The lizard people. It's, uh... National Lampoons. Someone someone into conspiracy theories tell us what, what that secret society was. Okay, so we have... Skull and Bones Club. That's what it was. The reverse vampires in yeah. association with the mole people. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to take a minute to point out that the family name that she's marrying into is Le Domas. Which, uh, if for those of you who know French, of course, you know that means the dumbasses. Um, so, uh, actually, I, I believe it's Le Demont. Uh-huh. Andre Toulon. Note the pronunciation. A little bit of puppet master yeah. there for you. That's some Barbara Crampton mm-hmm. for you to cram into your ears. Your ton. Yeah. Patun. Patun. Yeah. So they sit down, explain the family history. They put in the card and it pops out the answer, hide and seek. You're going to have to play some hide and seek. And she's like, really? That seems fun, fun and funky. And everyone else is like, shit. And you'd think that like. Except Aunt Helene. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah. Aunt Helene's like, we're going to have to cut a bitch. Her axe in the corner. (laughs) Like, uh, you'd think if you were Grace that you'd kind of pick up on everyone's really silent and scared and being weird about hide and seek. Yeah, she's, but she doesn't have a lot of experience with rich people. And not only so. that, That's she's true. she's a little she's a little liquored up. You know, it might have been that she thought that they were just worried about her going around their house and stealing stuff. It could well, be that. And there's I mean she she came from like foster family, like she was a foster kid. Yeah, and yeah. That's so the like, other part that's really set up well. Is she explains to Andy McDowell's character, not Andy McDowell, is it? Is it Andy yeah. McDowell? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was Roddy McDowell for a second. <laughs> but, um, Andy McDowell, uh, that she grew up in a bunch of foster families, and it's really, really, really important to her to feel like she's part of a permanent family, and it's one of the reasons why. She kind of pushed Alex to propose to her because she needed that connection. So she's she's willing to look over weirdness 
and awkwardness because she really wants to belong. Well, and she probably doesn't know many other super wealthy families and she thinks, well, they're all probably a little quirky and weird and a little messed up and rich people, you know? Yeah. Right. So she gets, um, she gets into it. She starts walking off with not really a lot of urgency. Right. She's, well, I mean, she's having fun, you know, in her mind, she's just playing a game. She's a little buzzed. She's clearly stumbling a little bit here and there. And they're playing a song that to her seems they're playing the, I, I've included a link to the song in, in the post. We can't play it because it'll get probably get flagged. Um, but, uh, it is a goofy song from like the 40s or 50s on a record that runs for about a uh, hundred seconds. And it's like, hide and seek, Freddy or not, <laughs> we're going to find you, doodle doo. <laughs> we're going to get you. Guess what? It's like, oh, it's, it's, it reminded me very much of Silent Night, Deadly Night, that, uh, oh, yeah, Christmas fever song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that's, that's a cute, wait a minute, that's a little off. Um, what was the, uh, that, that song reminded me of, um, what was the horror movie with the Run Rabbit Run song in it? I think it was Get Out or, oh, yeah, it might have been. I don't know. I, I can't, can't remember. Recall. There's it, yeah. Yeah, it was a really good soundtrack on this movie as well. Like uh so there's that goofy kind of off-putting older song like 40s 50s vibe and then there's a bunch of like classic and orchestral pieces that that really made the movie and and like fit in with the setting, right? They're in this huge amazing palatial mansion and it and there's a lot of classical music and you know big and then with with all the action, there'll be you know some some grand, amazing uh, orchestra orchestral piece that's running along with it. So it it just felt it felt really grand. Aaron's gonna start dying now. She's she's coughing. Oh no! Sorry. Don't die, Aaron. <coughs> I'll, I'll try too. not to. Yeah. But the dead don't die. <laughs> mm. Um, the family arms. So at this point she's running away. She's trying to find a place to hide. She finds a dumb waiter, crams herself in it. And the family begins to arm themselves with like, you know, turn of the century style, uh, weaponry. There's crossbows, there's axes, there's, uh, there's like, um, what, what do you, what do you call there's them? There's a bow and arrow. Yeah. There's a bow and arrow. There's, Super old rifle. there's a couple guns. Yeah, there's like muzzle loaders. Is it like a harpoon gun or something like that? Oh that... yeah, that's what she shot. I was Is that wondering a what it, gun? it must have been because she had a gun and then just like shot some kind of arrow thing. So it, that's a crossbow. Well, yes, but it was a gun. It's a, it, it wasn't it was a, a gun though. Oh, okay. Have you seen a harpoon before? Yeah, a harpoon gun. But it had no mm-hmm. like rope attached to it or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, they they explain that for some reason with this ritual. They can only use their great grandfather's weaponry. Yeah, there is there is a sport element of this whole thing, which is give them a fighting chance, turn off the cameras in the house so that you don't, you know, you don't accidentally or intentionally cheat. Yeah, it's pretty great. Like they they don't over explain the ritual or like the background behind a lot of this stuff. They just kind of it paints it as its own world. Yes. And uh, with its own rules and just a long history, which which is pretty effective. Yeah. One thing that stood out to me uh, with this movie was that hide and seek 
is basically the premise for every a, slasher. <laughs> a lot of horror movies. Yeah, every yeah. slasher, right? But the game in and of itself, if you remember playing it as a kid, um it it has all of the elements of a horror movie, right? It's it's titillating, it's fun, it's uh you you your heart's beating, you're running, you're trying to hide, you, small spaces. Small spaces. And then you're trying to stab people with knives. Right. And then, yeah. And then there's the seekers version, which is like, it's, there's a lot of tension there. You're like, are they around this corner? Are they around that corner? And this movie does a really good job of just tapping into that, the, the basics for every slasher ever made, uh, Mm -hmm. which, and presents it in a much more earnest fashion with people who don't, aren't really. They're not really super enthusiastic. No one wants to really wants to kill this girl. They like her. They keep saying over and over again, I really liked her. You know, they're just they just have to hold up their end of uh, some at this point. All we know is there's some sort of reason they have to right. do this. Right. I don't know. Some of them seem pretty bloodthirsty. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. The the aunt was definitely bitter because, well, we learned much later that her fiance was the last one who was subjected to this in the 80s. Well, and Alex's wife, too. Yeah, Alex's wife was not Alex. Alex is the main character. Oh, Daniel's, sorry, Daniel's, Daniel's wife. wife was pretty into it. She's like, yeah, I ain't let anyone take this away from me. Right. You know? Yeah, she was the she was the come up from nothing girl. And for some reason, the butler. Yeah. The butler I, was real into it. I could not understand the butler's buy-in on this. Other He's than, part of the family. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess his... His buy-in is he is he is the part of the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you never had a butler before? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That is a good point. I would not know. I would not know the intricate ins and outs of the relationship between me and my butler because I I don't have a butler. Right. Plebe. The, I loved the acting in this movie. It was perfect. It was hammy and and. And funny and fun, like everybody did their part to hold up their character perfectly. Yeah, the the characters that required over the top acting, they they the actors did that. So yeah. the aunt was definitely a little over the top. Um, the, the father was the butler. A, the butler. Oh yeah, man, was over the top. And then the rest of them played a lot of the stuff straight which is where a lot of the laughs come from Mm -hmm. which is like how the fuck do i use a crossbow like yeah who uses a crossbow honestly the coked up uh sister i mean (laughs) just just keeps killing people by accident she's my favorite yeah just just this itchy trigger finger and like (laughs) no knowledge of how any of these weapons work and just accidentally offing everybody in (laughs) everybody else yeah so there's three maids that are pulled straight out of the Addicted to Love music video by Robert Palmer. Is that who it is? Robert Palmer. Take your word for it. You know, the uh you know the video I'm talking about. We'll oh. put it in the post. Addicted to Love? I might okay, never mind. Sorry. Anyways, they're they looked straight out of an eighties movie with like weird black short dresses and weird just stark makeup and there's three of them and they very quick in quick succession are the sacrificial lambs of this movie yeah absolutely and they're all like killed by accident or by just 
un, uh, um, inconvenient circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Samara Weaving also... Uh, weaving? I yeah. Think? Yeah. She has a set of lungs on her. Holy cow. Holy moly. She's maybe the best screamer in all of horror ever. Yeah, I think, like, when people talk about scream queens, I'm like, who who cares? I like, get what, it. I, I, now, yeah, I get it now. Because yeah. that scream was like, that is effective. Visceral. Like, she was so good at having, like... It was like almost a yodel. Yeah, it was, um, it was like the, the you know... You know how your your diaphragm gets trembly when you're terrified? Like you could hear that tremble in her screams. Like, should I try to imitate it? No, please no. I really don't want to. Because you don't want to edit. I'll, I'll fully cut. I'll fully cut it out. It sounded like vocal damage to me. Yeah, like is what it Just sounded like. like. Yeah, it was. And Except screamed. Yeah, like it, at max volume, and then like yeah. The last scream of the movie that she does was like, it's already super visceral, but that last scream was like, that held, you know, five hours of running for your life. Right. It was... In that one scream, just like, just so tired and damaged, and... That's, that was definitely like an animal, like yeah. a human animal screaming. Right. Like, we would not be talking about this if it weren't so impressive to, to experience. It, like, I had, I've never, ever, throughout movies, you know, I've, like, like you said, Bryce, I've never been like, Scream Queen, who cares? Like, I've, I have, ne it has never made a difference yes. to me until I heard Samara Weaving. Samara Weaving. She yeah. is now my Scream Queen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, like, the only other, like, uh, just a f super effective scream that I can point to that it was like, oof, that's like visceral for me to listen to was Tony Collette and Hereditary. Yes, that's that's very true. Yeah, that uh, that just very clearly Tony Collette tapped into a very difficult time in her life and uh, and just wailed. Right. Yeah. So the first death comes pretty early uh, when the nanny goes looking for one of the kids who she was charged with keeping in their beds. So there's there's staff wandering through this house while while a, they're hunting to kill a girl. <coughs> I like the idea that they don't tell the staff to, you know, right. go go home and sleep. You know, it is midnight. It's it's about so, how it's like, about you could you could just send your staff home and you know let them sleep right to get rest or you know let them in on it and just say like hey we're gonna be doing this stay over here or come up behind us and help maintain our ancient weaponry or something like that no they're they're just literally walking around being servants still yeah so the nanny kind of falls asleep while watching the kids sleep. Because she's she's supposed to keep the kids in their room, and then and then she goes wandering through the house trying to find the kid that wandered off, and um, and she stumbles into the room where Alex had just met Grace, and Alex was like, "Okay, Grace, we got to get out of here. Like this isn't like this is a this is a game for for your life, so we got to go." And uh, and they they remain hidden while the nanny is 
you know, looking through this room for, uh, for the child that's under her charge. And, uh, and then the coked up sister <laughs> runs into the room, th- just, just opens the door and blam, just shoots the nanny right in the face. <laughs> the nanny falls down and proceeds to gurgle a death gurgle that lasts five minutes through yeah. the whole scene. One of the things that this movie has going for it is the gurgles. It's it's a movie full of people dying slowly. What did what did you think about that, Aaron? She wants she wants to die because she needs to cough. Here, let's take a pause and, and get our coughs out. Cool. Okay, where where were we? We were asking Aaron. Something. Oh yeah, what did you think about the gurgling death? It was long. There was lots of gurgle. It was definitely played for comedy. And and so did what did it as someone who I'm going to assume finds those sorts of scenes pretty uncomfortable, like when you have a person bleeding from the head and there's a lot of uh, very gurgly, bubbly sounds coming from them. That's probably pretty uncomfortable. Well, yeah, it definitely makes my stomach turn a little bit. I cover my eyes sometimes, but see, I like it. Yeah, Bryce is like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, finally, we're getting into the, the pithy stuff. I am. <coughs> I think context how, matters, though. Yeah, I like, think I realize how jaded yeah. I am when <laughs> we'll get up to the nail scene, but I could see it coming from pretty far away, yeah. and then it happened, and everyone, I think everyone else in the theater was like, ooh, and I was just like, I was just like, yay! <laughs> yeah, I haven't. literally said yay. Sorry for that. You're gonna have to here. Let me let me do a a good take where I'm not blowing out. I was like, yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were having a pretty good time on that. I even I was like, oh god, like yeah. oh, it's one of those ones. It definitely like it earns its R in this movie. This is lots of stuff that you wouldn't see. In PG thirteen movies, the PG thirteen horror movie would have all the sound effects, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't show it. And this shows some stuff. Yeah, well, and it, there's a lot of f bombs because I think what Samara Weaving's character, what's what's her name, Grace, Grace, what Grace does really well is she is the voice of the audience. Right like when <laughs> when something weird happens, she's like, "What?" Like and it happens. Probably once every two or three minutes, someone right. says, "Like what the fuck?" Like, yeah. yeah, there's there's some kind of surprise expressed vocally that, I mean, it's it's pretty constant, and it would be annoying, I think, in, if it was done any differently than it was. But um, it never really took me out of the action, but it was definitely expressing what the audience is feeling. Yeah. So at this point, Grace realizes how how much in trouble she is yeah. and the stakes of this hide and seek game. And she begins the transition into like a, an iconic horror badass. Yeah. And so she starts ripping off her dress. Her Alex had brought her some tennis shoes and there's, there's a couple great like iconic shots or what would you call them? Tableaus. Yeah. Of her, um, just looking like an absolute badass. Can I talk about the wedding dress for a second, please? That looks like the most uncomfortable wedding dress in the world. Have what? you ever worn a wedding dress? Um, I've worn like five. There uh-huh. are no comfortable <laughs> wedding dresses. It's not about comfort. Tell me about it. So, like, uh, I don't it's get about pushing them babies up. I don't get the <laughs> the 
the type of dress that like cuts your boobs in half with how tight it is. There's yeah, like yeah, that is a strange the a strange lane, right? The boob that's in the dress, and then like the over boob that's, that's like squoze out the like top. It. No, 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 no. I don't. No, dudes, that is. I would, I would rather like encompass the full cup. Right. Let's and let's lift and and push together. It's literally like pushing it against the skin. It's like a. Yes, the thing. It's, it's like it's you like know a strangulation. You know, it's like a strangulation scenario. Which was her dress? You know, in um, uh, Shakespeare in Love. Okay. With Gwyneth Paltrow, okay. when she wraps her boobs up. Yeah. To so she can be a male actor mm. in Shakespeare plays. It's like if you took that wrap, but only half. only did it halfway. Half yeah. So yeah, the yeah. bottom half, and so Gwyneth Paltrow's, um, not super substantial boobs were just like flowing over the top. Mm. That's what this wedding dress was doing. Yeah. Okay. So that is a that is a style for other women. I, yes. That is not a that is not for dudes. Yeah. In my opinion. Oh, okay. Well, I would know. I would know whether I like it or not, Aaron. Yeah. Come on. I mean, okay, so, the, the, the good thing is that it is very form-fitting, and so... Right. She, I mean, she still looks good, but specifically the boobs. But why are you I'm doing this to your, yeah. to your puppies? Yeah, okay. Proceed, Aaron. Yeah, what are you going to say? <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to speak on this topic. We're mansplaining mm. the wedding dress right now, mm-hmm. so... You make um, your own horror movie podcast, and then you can talk about boobs all you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, I don't exactly know the history of bras or corsets or anything like that, so I'm not an expert on it. All I know is... Then why are you talking? She has a pair. Come on. (laughs) Oh, you guys are experts. That's right. I I have a really good set of tits. (laughs) (laughs) So, when it comes to wedding dresses, it's all about, you know, what the bride wants to look like mm-hmm. and that could be like this picture perfect bride or it could be someone who's just totally into comfort but samara weaving's wedding dress is um it's very like on on point for fashion right now to have that lace at mm-hmm. the top and um like kind of a long sleeve uh-huh. lace look is pretty in yeah. right now but the whole smashing the boob thing. Hmm. Um, I'm very interested. Let me let me posit that she probably doesn't have a big rack, so this is the reason for it. Are you rack shaming to make her? it <laughs> to make it look bigger than it is? Um, and that's what that's what women do is they want to make how their breasts look bigger. How to make usually. it look bigger? If I'm, you're smashing it against I'm gonna, your body. I'm gonna pose. The, the, the a very recent movie, The Favorite, with Emma Stone. Also, not a substantial pair, but in The Favorite, we put we're lifting and pushing those puppies. Yeah, and it looked like she had some cleavage going. Well, she did. She had a tremendous amount of boobage in that in in her corset. And that's the point, right? Yeah, this the, she did point... not strangle. She did not strangle fifty percent of her boobs. Oh, they yeah. were strangled. I, they're I, just made to look like they're well, not being strangled. Right. Well, well yes, yeah. That's, that's exactly the point. There's a difference between like putting a belt around your boobs, right, and like pushing them up through like a tube, strangling them from the bottom. You got to strangle right. from the bottom up, not half, not at the fifty percent yeah. line. Not so at I the think fifty yard line. If if her goal for this wedding dress was to make her boobs look bigger, mission unaccomplished. Right. 
the experts have spoken. <laughs> well, I respect. I, while I do respect that you're 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 probably right. I'm I'm going to assume you're right because you're more into fashion than me for sure. But you're more into boobs than I am. Yes. I, that is definitely yeah. that is definitely the case. Uh, although maybe maybe not. I don't know. I I I don't know. I I, don't, I can't I can't tell your story for you. I mean. <laughs> You may be a woman, but we are two white males, and so I think we're better at explaining these things. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there are – so at this point, the action really starts to get moving because because Grace realizes that her life is on the line, and she realizes that she can't really – she 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 doesn't stand a very good chance against a whole family of people who are coming at her. Okay, hold up. We need to back up just a titch because a tits. <laughs> because a tit. The scene where she where she rips her wedding dress so she can run better. Um, the scene where Alex explains what's going on that this is a family tradition. Oh, yeah. She. She is completely in shock. She, I think she has a realistic reaction to it, the right. same way the audience does. Um, and Alex is like, well, you know, you told me we had to get married. <laughs> and she's like, don't you dare put this on me. You didn't tell me about this. Um, and, and in that moment, like, you realize, or I realized anyway, Alex is the asshole in this movie. He is... The dude that screwed everything up because um, he says to her, if I hadn't asked you to marry me, you would have left. But if I had told you what my family does to people who join the family, you would have left too. So either way, you would have left me. And then you realize he's just manipulating her completely. He's doing everything he can to emotionally trap her. Mm-hmm. in a relationship with him. And I I leaned over to Bryce and I said, he's going to die and she's going to live because he is flawed. Like that's the fatal flaw in his character is that he is a manipulative jerk. And, and like, even though he has, <clears throat> excuse me, even though he has um, some redeeming qualities, like he's trying to help her, he grabs her sneakers he does some other things to help her. He is the problem and he will die. That's that was what I told Bryce because like I don't know, I I felt like we can talk about the ending later, but I just knew in that moment he's the jerk. And to put it in another way, like if he like if he had HIV and like he's been sleeping with her for a year and a half, he knows there's like only maybe a chance that she might get HIV. Like, what does he do? Does he tell her, hey, I have HIV, and then she'll leave him? Or there's only a chance I might have HIV in this place. And then wait until you're married. And then wait until you're married to tell her. But I mean, yes, you're you're right to an extent, but there's also, you know, you have to have empathy for the person who's being put into this scenario that they also don't want to be in, right? Like Alex doesn't want to come from a family that's gonna murder his wife. He just wants to have a wife. Right. You know So this is this is the great part with having Aaron as as a perspective, give her perspective on this because I, my original thoughts were along with David. I was like, he's just doing 
what he's got to do. He but wants the missing, to have a life. You know? The missing part is like, yeah, but you should still tell her. Mm-hmm. Like, you should just no, still for tell sure. Her. Yeah, for sure. It, is he is he flawed? Yes. Yeah, he's self definitely more self interested than he's allowed himself to accept. Right, and and that I I think I think you know bring <laughs> bringing her to the. <laughs> Bringing her to, I think his biggest mistake was bringing her to his family, not eloping, basically. Like, acknowledging that we're going to have a traditional wedding in my family's tradition and do, do that. That's definitely fucked up. On the other hand, I, I do see where he's, where he's coming from because, because as we will, as we will learn, the, the chances, it almost never happens that somebody gets hide and seek. Most of the time they play fucking old maid or checkers or something like that. And so he's just potential. I think, I think it can be explained like his selfishness can be explained away as there was a chance that this wouldn't have never been a thing. The really sure. good chance. Yeah. And, uh, so I mean, yes, you're definitely right. He is a flawed character who is now trying to back up his. I think if you're up. if you're really in love, and your wife, or your husband came, or your uh, fiance came to you and said, "Listen, I know we want to get married. This is important. I want to spend my the rest of my life with you, rest of your life with me." Which, unfortunately, that might not be as long as we thought. Because here's the deal: there is a one in ten chance. That I think it's a lot better than that. Yeah, it's probably like I mean, if you think about every board game, games, even if it's just every classic board game, right? You know, like a one in fifty, one to a hundred chance that you might have to die on her wedding night. Like, <laughs> are you willing to take that chance? Yeah. How important is this relationship to you? Right. I bet most most women would accept that that's the better move yeah right because then it prepares them for for like now they in their head they get to they get to amp themselves up for fucking hide and seek like let's fucking play bro yeah they they just look at them like i'm so in love with them um i would do anything for them if this is what i have to do i'll marry him because women are irrational aaron (laughs) um i can't completely disagree with you because I think people in love are irrational, yeah. male or female. And because why would anyone ever get married? They, I think the thing is like going in with like honesty is probably the best idea. Yeah, but, yeah. But at the same time, like when I when I thought that um, Alex was going to die in the end, what I assumed in my head was that he was going to redeem himself. He was going to mm. martyr himself to mm-hmm. save her. That he was gonna, he was gonna be the one, the one to sacrifice himself to redeem him, because he was so flawed and screwing up to begin with. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to forecast the ending too much because it is genuinely. I mean, it's not surprising, but also surprising at the same time of of how effective it is. Um, to me, but yeah, I think there's a lot of like a lot of nuance going on with the characters and the decisions they're making that makes this movie great. I wish every movie would take enough time and effort 
on the yeah. characters' motivations as this one did. Yeah, and and I should say, like, I don't I don't say this a lot because a lot of the movies that that we review are not worth this. But like at this point, you don't you the listener of horror movie talk, you do not know exactly what's going to happen. And if you want to see this movie, pause this episode, go see the movie because the payoff in this movie is is great. And uh and so you know go check it out if it's something you're interested in and then pick up the pick up the podcast after you're done. I mean there's definitely I've already seen posts in in the horror subreddit of people like oh the ending was so obvious and like no yeah, it was not. Like maybe but it's a 50-50 obvious. Yeah. It's like, like a boxing movie. Either they're right. going to win or not. <laughs> right. So exactly. It's like yes it's predictable because it's not if the ending is the aliens come and there's an alien invasion and nothing matters anymore, then that's the stupidest ending you could choose. Yeah, it's like a World War Two movie. Yeah, the hero of the movie might or might not die. Yeah. But we all know America wins because America's fucking awesome, bro. Come on. Um. Uh, so, yeah, we we learn that the family, the, the stakes of the family. Um, Sorry, rewinding a little bit when they're picking out the card when they see the the hide and seek card everyone is really somber yeah it's like, like oh it's, god damn it that's another like tip of the hat to like their motivations that none of them want to really kill this woman so I mean, some of them are more into it than others, but... And during the whole hunt, you can see that. They're like, you know, they'll see her and they'll be like, I don't want to be the one to pull yeah, the trigger they're, here. They're also kind of the victims to this circumstance. Right. And it's not revealed until later, or, you know, if you listen to the intro to this podcast, that it's all part of a supernatural sacrifice that is a deal with the devil that this family has to maintain through generations or else or else what right or else what and that's the real that's the real thing is and the thing that this movie does well is it plays with that concept because nobody knows if it's true right you know everybody's like a fucking pact with the devil how likely could that be but the guy, <laughs> on the, the other hand if it is a deal with the devil i don't want to be part of yeah the, the one the one brother that. the one brother-in-law even googles are deals with the devil a thing? <laughs> like, yeah. like, this, it's, <coughs> sorry. Very good. So, basically the rules are, if the family doesn't kill Grace by Dawn, supposedly the entire family will die. So that's the stakes. Either Grace dies or this entire family dies. Right. Yeah, like, and put in that situation, I mean, I think most most people would probably like be willing to sacrifice one. It's the trolley question, yeah. you know, which which trolley railroad do you go down? Do you go down the one with 10 workers or one and you have no choice? Yeah. yeah and, and so the, the 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 ultimate premise is that the grandfather made a pact with or, or the great grandfather made a pact with either. A buddy who was close with Satan or Satan? I, I was basically like a, um, what did he call it? Like a traitor or something. But yeah. the, A merchant the, seaman? Well, the grandfather was a merchant seaman. And then his friend that he met was, I didn't write it down. Mr. LaBelle. Mr. LaBelle was like a, 
like exotic items trader or something like that. Um, the subtext of it and pretty obviously is Mr. LaBelle is actually the devil. So it's kind of like a Mephisto character. Well, it's like Baal from the Old Testament, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah, Baal is a, is a name for the for the devil. So huh. Mr. Mr. LaBelle. Um, but yeah, in, in the original story of Faust, the devil is just kind of a guy that shows up. Mm. Um, yeah, that's what that's what showed up to the great grandfather, right. a, a guy who made a deal with him for, you know, for unimaginable riches for his for his family. Right. So, yeah, throughout the movie, this whole setup puts Daniel in a very interesting place. And through most of the movie, it's very plain that he is trying to save Grace. Right. Like he's he's fighting and he's he. Uh, he does love her. He like, does very love much. her. Yeah, he's the brother. He's her brother-in-law, and he does not want her to die. But also, there's a little bit of a, an inkling of like, also, I don't really want to die. So, like, there's a fight going on within him internally. Yeah. And at some point, he says one of my favorite lines in the movie. He says, "The rich really are different." <laughs> <laughs> Which really paints like this. It's an interesting like uh, nod to to kind of you know what's going on in America right now. Which is yeah, it's not too it's not too over the top. It's not it's not completely an, an allegory about rich versus poor. Right. Um, there is a movie that just recently got pulled from from being distributed. I think we even had it like on the schedule uh, called The Hunt, mm. which mm-hmm. was very much like. Rich left-wing people versus rural Republicans, like very much like people wearing Trump hats and stuff. And it was like a hunt them, hunt them, hunt down Republicans, you know? Wow. And, um, they pulled it after some of the, you know, recent gun violence tragedies. Um, well, now the terrorists have just won. And of course, like the filmmakers are like, well, that's not really, we're trying to tell both sides of the story kind of thing, which I'm really interested in watching it, but that's very much the case of we are trying to make an allegory or like a very obvious statement about the politics. Yeah. It was a very South Park-esque sort of moment. But, but mostly this movie is just, these people are very wealthy. They live in a different world and you're just entering it. It's not necessarily playing a judgment on they're this way because they're rich, um, but there's definitely an element of we're rich and we want to maintain it and we will do evil things to maintain it. See, yeah. it's interesting that you think you got that because I kind of got the same thing. Like, it's not like an anti-rich people in general movie, but I read a review that was like, this is the stick it to the 1% type movie. <laughs> and I was like, where did you get that? Like, Yeah, that's... I mean, that's people just, 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 Clickbait. Wa- yeah, yeah. Just, well, just wanting, just wanting to push an agenda, right? Just being like, oh, here's a, here's a foothold. Like, yeah, like Get Out was a much stronger allegory and it wasn't even, yes. even, even that movie wasn't like super over the top of like white, per- white people versus black people. It, it was like, well, they don't, they just don't care, <laughs> you know, they don't really understand their motivations for. Why black people though? They're yeah, like, there's a duality. Yeah, yeah, it. Tr- I mean, us did its homework in the amount of effort that it put in to say, look, there's duality here. Right. And us, us, us was like, and we the, are the, the thing full, we hate. You the know? full allegory of rich versus 
poor. And yeah, and it 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 made a big effort to say we are what we hate. You know, yeah. like don't be so quick to pull the trigger on your neighbor because then you're just as bad as what you perceive to be the the evil in the world kind of thing. So, anyways, it was it was. Not enough of like a moral to the story or an allegory to make you roll your eyes. And if you're on any like political spectrum about these topics, it's not going to turn you off to watch this movie, which is an impressive uh, line to to walk. Yeah. So throughout this movie, Alex does his best to help Grace survive. He he's trying to he's trying to unlock all the doors of the mansion so that she can escape. He's trying to. Uh, turn on the video camera system so that he can know where she is so that he can like time that just right. He's trying to, he's trying to facilitate her getting out of the house. And, um, and then the evil aunt, the, 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 the eyeball aunt eventually tells the story of how Alex should be the leader of the family and, and he needs to embrace his new role as the head of the dumbasses and um and and the french (laughs) the french and so now you start to see um you 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 kind of start to see how the movie is setting alex up as a character right and um and then, so he opens the doors, she escapes into the, into the, like the backyard and she runs into the goat shed. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We skipped over one of the best parts. One of the best tableaus of the movie is Grace goes into the weapon room and she takes out the elephant gun. Right. And also one I of the biggest, about the one of the bi- biggest disappointments of the movie, actually. Um, she takes out <clears throat> this big old elephant gun where the bullet, for this elephant gun, I don't know if you've ever seen elephant gun bullets, but it's about the size of, I don't know, like a Red Bull can. <laughs> like <laughs> a thin, like slightly thinner than a Red Bull can inside this gun. And she's got this bandolier just full of elephant gun bullets. It's and badass. it shows her like looking in the mirror. <laughs> Looking in the mirror, and she's holding this giant gun with a bandolier with giant bullets. She's got a blood-stained, like ripped-up wedding dress and and sneakers and all stars, and like disheveled, um, you know, makeup and and hair. And she looks at herself in the mirror, and she's like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, um, is in the kitchen with the, the butler Stevens. Is it Stevens? I don't know, a butler. Steven sounds like a good name for a butler. I like it. What a great scene, the kitchen. Yeah, and she's kind of trying to hide from him, and Steven's is super obsessed with... Um, the 1812 Overture. The 1812 Overture, and singing it to himself. And then she, like, she points the gun at him and uh, is going to... I'm just, like, waiting for the biggest bullet in the world to tear through this butler and just leave... A crater that you could see through, yeah, and uh, just clicks, and he's like, "Yeah, those are just decorational. Like, yeah, we wouldn't put up a fucking elephant gun for you. What are you nuts?" <laughs> and then like starts beating her up. Um, and my greatest disappointment is that the elephant gun never goes off. Like yeah. it's it's like a rule of of a play. If you show a gun in the first act, it needs to go off. 
yeah. by the third act, and, and it just never does. That's what makes this so groundbreaking. Yeah, it's a groundbreaking film. So she gets out. She runs to the goat shed. And if you're wondering, boy, what? <coughs> that sounds oddly specific. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's an oddly specific thing. Yeah. Why would you have a goat shed? And within that shed, why would you have a pit full of dead goats? One of my that's one of my favorite aspects of this movie, and shows the quality right. and uh, it just nods the at discipline. It. Yeah, is that they just kind of offhandedly uh, put out there that. Well, yeah, I mean, they have to sacrifice a goat every year. Got to keep in practice, man. So they have a whole shed full of goats for sacrificing, but they just never really talk about that at all. You just know that, oh, yeah, those those are the sacrificial goats. Yeah, she goes to hide in this shed. The, one of the, the little boy who escaped at the start of the movie winds up walking down the shed. He's like, he's he's got a flashlight, and he's looking, and he's looking, and then he sees her, and she's like, oh, thank God. It's you. Let me tell you about my night. And then he just blasts her <laughs> with the gun straight through the hand. But big old hole in her hand. Yeah, like you could see through the hole. And, uh, and you know, she socks him in the face. She, like, struggles with him. And then how does she fall down in the... Um, Why is she in the goat, in the dead goat pen? Oh, is... I can't remember. There was a... Yeah, I can't, I there's can't. some kind of struggle. She falls through. Yeah, she falls through this this well. This what what appears to be a, a like a um uh it's like a, a cellar door. Yeah, kind like of thing. a cellar door. And at the bottom there are all kinds of dead things. Just a bunch of dead rotting bodies, carcasses, and and flies swarming and people, dead people, bones. And uh, and so I'm I, in my that was so gross and shocking to me because there's just a pit of sluicy dead crap yeah and she has a hole through her hand <laughs> that she used to fall into this pit of grossness and i'm just like tetanus i'm like you know staff she definitely has like nine kind of infections oh yeah dead goat bones the, the tetanus pit so yeah she's got this hole in her hand and then the best scene of the movie, the scene where I yelled, yay! I was squirming through this. I was this. saying, no, 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 yeah, no, she no. Starts, she starts climbing up a rickety ladder, which, is there such a ladder? Is yeah. there an, is there an alternate ladder in a horror movie um, other than a rickety ladder? It's why it's why up until recently the only ladder in my house was extremely rickety. My yeah. it was so rickety that my brother for my birthday went out and bought me a real ladder. <laughs> like, can you think of a situation where someone buys a ladder for you? Uh-huh. Right. That's how rickety my ladder was. My brother was like, "You really can't be standing on this anymore." Wait, why does the goat pit have a ladder? Well, I mean, you got to get down there and, I don't know, maybe you threw someone down there and you forgot to take their jewelry off of them. Because otherwise we wouldn't be able to see this goat pit. Yeah. Right. True. So anyway, she starts climbing up a rickety ladder, which obviously isn't used very much, and uh, it breaks underneath her her feet and hands, and then she's got one hand on top of the thing, because she's trying to climb up a ladder with one hand, which is impressive in its own. Then um, you get that quiet both, place. Both, both me and, and David were kind of looking at each other and it's like, I mean, you could still wrap an arm around. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like the just, ladder. Just wrap your hurt arm around the back end of the ladder. But. Yeah. So she's climbing up and then the ladder breaks underneath her. She's got one hand over the top and um, you Remem know, she, she probably only weighs like a buck ten. Yeah. So like 
But she's, she's but even even with that, like one armed pull up, and most people rough. can't do that. And then you get the quiet place shot of the nail in the stair. Remember the shot that you get to see the uh-huh. nail in the right. stair in a quiet place, and like Home Alone, and yeah. like Home Alone, yeah, sure. And there's just one giant nail at the top of this thing, right like, next to her hand. It's practically like a railroad spike Ugh. sticking up about like three inches, <laughs> and you know what's coming. And she just reaches out that other hand and slaps it down through the hole and pulls herself up through it. Oh, it just gives, it hurts. It makes my heels hurt. Ugh. So, uh, so yeah, then, then she, she eventually escapes, uh, the compound. She, she manages to break through a gap in the fence that that I was like, you're never going to find a gap. And then she finds a gap in the fence. So Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It she, happened. She it breaks was off a piece of a wrought iron fence. Yeah. With her strength. Yeah. And then she climbs through and there's a great like shot of her like scraping deeply into her yeah. back from one of the wrought iron arrow things. Yeah. And, and, uh, and she um then the butler finds her. The butler's driving his car at her. He gets out. She knock, clocks him in the head. Gets in the car, steals it, she starts driving down the road. And she, like, presses the button for OnStar. And OnStar, like, yeah. Call the police. I'm being hunted by people trying to kill me. And he's like, okay, I can help you with that. Let me just, um... Oh, oh just boy. a minute. Um, The car was reported stolen. And so the car, like, turns off and comes to a rolling stop. He's like, don't worry. The police have been alerted. Just stay with the car. And she's like, no, no, you can't. You can't do this to me. No. Yeah, this is, like, one of the great... He's like, ma'am, there is no need for profanity. Justin... <laughs> There's, there's one of the great comedic scenes of the of the movie of her just talking to a very unhelpful call center guy, which is like if you're in a dangerous situation and you're and you're depending on someone in a call center, I can't think of a more horrifying scenario. It's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, just like you don't understand, I'm being hunted by a a pack of of uh, bloodthirsty rich people. And they're like trying to get through their dialogue like, tree. Ma'am, I have a script to read here. Wait a minute. He calls the police and says the police are on their way. Right. And it takes the police an hour to get there right. or more. <clears throat> well, that's... Like, what the heck? That's about that's about accurate. That seems about right. Well, think of how many times the police get called into that rich neighborhood. Yeah. Like every time a black person walks through there, I mean, they have to show up and they're like, oh, all right. Well, All it right, might not someone... even be a neighborhood. It might just be out in the middle of nowhere because you never see another house. Right. Rich people or just are like, dicks. Oh, boy. Another rich person's car is, quote unquote, stolen. It's like, no, they forgot they put it in a third garage. It's probably like the fifth time they've come out there that week. So, <clears throat> so toward yeah. the end of the movie, the family has Grace uh, on the altar. Finally, they they manage to get her on the altar, and uh, just as they pass the sacrificial cup around, and each of them takes a swig, they learn that they've been poisoned by Daniel, who wants to help Grace escape. He is the ultimately the the you know he's fought his demons and and he's he's won, uh, and and then so so. Daniel helps her kind of escape into the house and she finds Alex um, while when Daniel gets mortally wounded and and Alex her her new husband kind of realizes all of a sudden he's like oh you're not going to stay with me even if we get out of this are you and uh, and that's when 
you know, Aaron is proven right. And the switch flips in Alex and he's like, well, I'm not going to lose my wife and lose my life. Potentially. If this thing is true, I'm going to hedge my bets with Satan. Thank you very much. You skipped over the part where Andy McDowell gets bludgeoned. Right. Yeah. No, I'm no, no. S- that's, that's, that comes later. So well, I'm going to skip no, 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 because Alex wasn't there. Alex was still handcuffed to the bed during the first sacrificial scene. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of breezing over a few things here. There's, there's a lot of horrendous violence. Well, there's, there's two deaths that are very important for the ending of the film. So Grace kind of escapes, but then she's in danger again. So the first death is Daniel. Daniel's probably the most sympathetic character we have in this movie, and it's still super conflicted. Yeah. Um, Daniel is shot. Um, does Grace shoot him or no? Something? His wife. <clears throat> yeah, his wife shoots him, and and then Alex comes up to Daniel, which is Daniel was like Alex's protector in the opening scene, and they have a very close relationship. And Daniel's a good guy to lose. And then pretty soon after that, Grace kills the mother, played by Andy McDowell, just viciously, like viciously kills her. And then Alex comes up and sees that his mother's dead. And you realize, like, <clears throat> in a very short amount of time, and it's really impressive, Alex's character goes from 100% trying to save Grace and trying to, like, saw through a thick wooden bedpost with handcuffs and throughout this whole movie trying to repent of this situation that he put Grace into to then seeing Daniel dead and then his mother dead. Yeah. And there's a moment of uncertainty where you're like, well, wait a minute. He's coming to the realization that his whole family is going to die unless Grace dies. And he's just seen how he feels about these two people dying. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, I really do need to make this choice. Well, and even if it's all like bullshit, even if it's all like not true, she's not going to stay with him. Right. Like she backs away from him. Like this is too messed up. It's too much, too traumatic. There's no way we're ever going to be together again. Right. And so... And that's the nail in the coffin. And uh, so she's, like, starting to back up into a corner, and Daniel, like, flips the... Or, sorry, Alex flips the switch, and he's going to kill her. And uh, and as he does, the curtains are, are pulled back, and to reveal... The sunlight, the, 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 it is, it is past dawn and all of the family recoils in horror and, and they, they kind of hiss the way, the way you would, you know, if you were a vampire and you knew sunlight was, was, uh, was going to kill you. And then they all kind of, everybody takes a beat, right? Nothing's happening. And they all start to come to the realization that, oh shit, nothing happened. The sun came up. We didn't sacrifice her, and we're all still alive. Look, the sun is out. It may have been out for 20 minutes by now. Like, Yeah. It's it's such a great sequence of, like, ah! they're, like, holding their hands up like vampires, so you're <laughs> expecting them to, like, turn into dust, and then it gives you, like, a full, like, five Mississippi right. per character to show them, like, come to the realization of, like, oh... Oh, and dear. If the what mo- have we done? If the movie ended right there, it would be a perfect ending. It would be a perfect ending. It would just be like, oh. And then you look at... And it really does feel like it's ending right there. Yeah, and you're like, oh, that's so great. It's just a bunch of rich people that 
convince themselves that this is their reality and they were wrong. Super and they even say, what do we do with her? What do we do with Grace? Yeah. yeah. And at that point, that's the, that's the switch flip for the, for the true ending of the movie, which is, well, we got to get rid of her. So yeah. then the, the crazy aunt, who's just bloodthirsty anyway, she's like, I'm getting my axe. We got to get rid of her. She's witness to all this. She's not really part of the family. She's not in this. So she I'm picks gonna, up her axe. I'm going to kill her. Like lifts it up. And then right as she's bringing the axe down. Just explodes. Just boom. Just like a blood balloon. Just just like an overfilled water balloon. Just explodes in blood. So it's like Stephen Dorff's death in Blade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> so and then in succession, each person is like the uh, Peter a, Parker I don't feel so good Boom! there's a Boom! there's a good beat where she explodes and the audience does not know what's happening like you're sitting there going how did she die exactly yeah like it might have been the elephant gun my, like yeah you're <laughs> waiting to see what the thing was like what, what if that what was the her? true ending if like one of the maids like actually survived and she found the real elephant gun bullets and just oh, started blasting away the family and they exploded like a blood balloon it worked it would have worked that might have been bryce's yeah, ending that might have been but anyways yeah so the family actually does all explode so they all die because they weren't able to accomplish their their goal of killing grace um the other perfect ending so it's like i i can't you get both endings you yeah. get both endings and they're both super satisfying and the last one is alex approaches grace and he's like look i'm still alive everyone else is dead but clearly i'm part of the people who are going to make it so you saved me we're, you saved me right we're we're good and she takes off her ring and she she's like i i don't think this is going to work out and she mm -hmm. tosses it at his chest at his chest and as it hits him he explodes too yeah and I think he, the the not consummating the marriage is a reasonable enough uh, premise for me to believe. That's why she doesn't also die because she's right. ma quote unquote married him. And then um, the other the other thing that we didn't really set up is that apparently Dan, uh, Alex was the chosen one to the aunt because he was the one that actually saw Mister Le, Le ba Bale Mister. Monsieur LeBail. Mm. And, uh, mm -hmm. Andre Toulon. Mm. Note the pronunciation. So he's like going to be the chosen one. So at this final scene, and the house is like on fire because the Grace had set a curtain on fire or something like that. <laughs> she looks at this chair and sees this weird, ghostly outline of someone sitting in Mr. LeBail's chair. And she's just like, Jesus Christ. Huh. What a. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> And it's just so, so simple of like, oh, yeah, there really is a, you know, the devil sitting there watching the, the whole proceedings. So as this, as Grace exits the, exits the building onto the back lawn where she was just married like 12 hour, you know, nine hours before, uh, she's, she's soaked from head to toe in blood from all these people exploding around her. The house is going up in flames. And uh, then the police show up behind her. And then the police show up and she's smoking a cigarette, just sitting there, just red from head to toe in her wedding dress with Converse on. And she takes a drag on the cigarette. And one of the first responders is like, Jesus Christ, what happened to you? And she's like, in-laws. <laughs> it's a great, a great ending. Great ending. So one of the, there's two last things before we, we move on mm -hmm. that, that we 
two notes that we skipped over that I wanted to bring up. Number one, there's this great, one of the greatest lines in the movie for that Alex says to explain his motivations is you'll do pretty much anything if your family says it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is it's a the, really good concept to build a movie. It's around. the through line for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the other one, this is more of a throwaway thing, but I just had to say it. So when it's announced that they're playing hide and seek and they start the game and grace is just kind of lazily walking down the corridor, like, I think I'd be much more excited about playing hide and seek in a giant mansion. <laughs> Me too. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd have a lot of fun with that. I'd be like, we yeah. <laughs> running down and finding, finding oh, a, a dumb waiter. Ooh. <clears throat> yeah. It's two different ways to play it. It could have been, she was really into it yeah. until she realizes what's going on. Or she was like, all right, I got to do this shit, which is the, the route that they took. Yeah. Cause it was pretty established pretty early on, early on that like, you're not going to win. I mean, the only way to win is to wait until dawn. Yeah. You can't. And to be found, who would want to do that? Like, yeah. I kind of want to get back to my husband and have sex with him. Yeah. So, anyways, that, I just had to bring that up. Final recommendations. Aaron, but, Aaron, who do you think would like this movie? Um, I think people who like uh, funny, campy, old horror <laughs> movies like, like Clue, like Rocky Horror, and are maybe wanting an update to that with some more gore. But I mean, I think people that like waiting for Guffman and kind of those, those deep cut, those like weird kind of quirky, mm -hmm. you know, humor, yeah, but are yeah. also okay with some gore in it too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dark comedy. It was, it's definitely right in the lane with Tucker and Dale and Cabin in the Woods, um, yeah. more, more so with Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. This will find its place. I mean- if there's any justice, this will find its place into when people are like, oh, you know, those funny kind of meta dark comedy horrors like but, Cabin in the Woods or Tucker and Dale. Right. This but will I think be, this is like a little bit different, too. Like, I think it could grab in a whole bunch of people that like romantic comedies, like yeah. dark romantic. Because it's absolutely. It's yeah. a great date movie. Yeah. Because, I mean, Cabin in the Woods was funny, but there's a huge sci-fi element to it. And... Tucker and Dale is super funny and great, but it's this whole like making fun of the genre, yeah, kind of thing. This is this not movie a is meta commentary as much. No, it's but it definitely is that it dark falls comedy. into it, yeah. It just falls into it will. I hope it is referenced when those movies are brought up. This People would, this who like be... Downton Abbey, yeah. <laughs> People who like Pride and Prejudice. People, All right. And people who like that's that's a wide net. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think if if there was a Venn diagram of of people who like period movies and people who like dark comedies and are comfortable with like gore, this would be like the intersection of those people. Yeah, I I could see this movie becoming a sleeper. I hope that people see it in the theater. My my recommendation is please go see it, see it in the theater, tell everyone about it because it's a great movie. I could see this. Um, the unfortunate circumstance that happens with a lot of movies where it's looked at and people write it off, don't see it, and then they discover it on Netflix not knowing anything about it. Right. Like, and not yeah. watching the, tra the trailer. This is one of those movies that if you did not see the trailer, it would be, like, even though it's 10 out of 10, it would be 100% better. Such a welcome surprise. Yeah. 
Okay. So yeah, I agree completely. I, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think everybody that you, you guys mentioned, I think that covers it. Um, so now with that, we're getting into our new game that I am so excited for. This is horror or porno. And I would like to mention just again, I do have to warn you. Horror or porno is extremely explicit and it will follow. Oh, and, uh, and if you don't like the sound of sex taking place or the sound of people being killed in horror movies, this is not up your alley and you should not listen to this. Also, if you employ me in any way, shape or form, definitely turn it off. Period. Do you have a intro? music for this i don't have an intro but i i i was thinking maybe we could do something on a slide whistle here aaron play our intro for horror or porno forget all the slobber on Mm -hmm. that that's fine oh that gave me a tromboner Mm -hmm. all right Okay, so horror movie or porno. I'm going to play a clip, a sound bite, and you guys have to guess whether it is a horror movie, whether that clip is from a horror movie, or a porno. Extra points if you guess which movie or porno it is from. Are you keeping keeping track so we can... So it'll be me against Aaron, right? I think you uh, you should keep track. Okay, I'll keep track. What? I feel like I've already lost. <laughs> what? <laughs> Excuse me? What are you trying to say, lady? Okay, so... So how many clues are there? We got uh, we got seven, seven clips. Seven clips, okay. Okay, so first clip. Here we go. <gasps> it burns! Okay, was that a horror movie or a porno? Should we write down our guesses? No, you can just tell me. Okay, I think that that's probably a horror movie. Okay. I felt like I heard some demon sounds in there. Okay. Do you have any idea what, what horror movie that might be? Um, is it The Exorcist? Ooh, okay, now Aaron. Um, I, I think it's going to be a horror movie too, but... You know, what's that rule on the internet of, is it rule, rule 34? Yeah, rule 34. I mean, I guess there's kind of an intersection of both horror, there's a porn element to it's horror. It's very anyway. hard to tell. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm, the screaming, I think, is more terrified, so I'm yeah. going to say horror. Okay. Um, you're both wrong. That was a, that was a porno. Oh, this is this is from a porno called Buffy the Vampire Lair. That's uh, she was she's being burned. Um, so so I'm sorry, no points awarded on oh, on that dang one. It. So here's the here is the second clip. Is that a horror movie or a porno, Bryce? <laughs> I think I think that's a porno. Oh, okay. And uh and Aaron? 
I think it's. I also think it's a porno, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Oh, okay. So we're both saying porno. Yeah. Yeah. Porn. I'm. I'm really sorry. That was Rosemary's baby. <laughs> <laughs> she was. She's spanking that baby. Yeah, it wasn't being good. It was. <laughs> it's the devil spawn. Okay, so no points so far in this game. Um, so here we go. A third clip. Horror movie or porno? Okay, Bryce, was that a horror movie or a porno movie? Um, well, this one, I'm pretty sure I know the actual answer to, because I think I sent you this clip. This, uh, this should be... I didn't use anything from those, those clips. This should be a horror movie. Okay. It should be City of the Damned. Okay. That's okay. a good guess. There's definitely, uh, there's definitely a parallel. Okay. Yeah. I think if it was cut like one second sooner... <laughs> I definitely would have said porno. Uh-huh. Just because that gurgle at the end, I think, is a little more horror. I think <laughs> is what it sounds like. But but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say horror. You guys are really bad at this game. Um, <laughs> that was a that was a porno. This is uh, that was the hills have thighs. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So still nobody on the board. <laughs> okay. Anybody's game still, for sure. You know, I, I think if we keep answering the same, Aaron, no one's going to win. Okay. So here we go. Uh, the fourth clip. Uh, is this a horror or a porno? God, she's a boy. Hmm. So, uh, what do you say? Is that a uh, is that a horror movie or a porno? I think it would be weird for pornos to feature fully diminished chords in the music. So, I'm going to say horror. Wow, coming in hot with these with this music knowledge. <laughs> well, I actually know the answer to this one. Okay, because I've seen this movie before. It's a porno. Oh, and it should be, um. Dude, where's my pussy? Oh, oh, boy, you're really close. Bryce on the board with a point. It is yes. it is a porno, but it's not Dude, where's my pussy? Oh. It is This is from Phil Bill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh fifth clip, we got Bryce on the board with a point. Oh, okay. Fifth clip, is this a horror movie or a porno? Okay, Bryce, was that a horror movie or a porno? What, what did he say in the clip? Put it back in there, bitch. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> violence against women. Whoa, no. Um, no, it's 
There's no violence. Um, I mean, unless it's a horror movie. Yeah, I just tell whenever we're having sexy times, I tell Aaron to just put a bag in her mouth. <laughs> oh, God. That's like an integral part of of making love. So was that a horror movie or a porno? Um, I'm gonna say that's gotta be a porno. Yeah, that's a porno. Oh, okay. No, I mean, I'm. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie too. But that is a that is a horror movie. That's hocus pocus. <laughs> About time to show that one to the kids. I love this game. (laughs) I love this. Okay, here we go. Uh, Sixth clip. We got Bryce on the board with one point. Is this a horror movie or a porno? Freeze! Just back it up against the wall. You heard him. Back it up. Let's put some pain on you. Pain? How dare you use that word? He's got pins in his head. What you think of as pain is only a shadow. Pain has a face. Allow me to show it to you. Gentlemen. I am Okay, was that a horror movie or a porno? I'm going to say horror movie. Um, I heard Jingle Bells in it. Another one that I think I've seen before. Okay. I'm pretty sure this is a porno, and I think it's um, You Have the Right to Remain Anal. Oh, wow. That's a really good guess. A lot of production value on on that title. And I would like to mention also, I'm sorry, Aaron, I know this is your first time on the show. You really... You do got to do a little bit better on this game, though, because Bryce just got another point. Oh, it geez. is it is a uh, a porno. It's actually Pandora's box. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you've seen this one before, Bryce? Uh, this sounds. I've seen the trailer. Seventh clip. Here we go. <laughs> Horror movie or porno? Uh, tell me, I'm a dirty little slut. Mm, a dirty little cock whore. I love stroking your dick, feeling him grow even harder and thicker in my hands. Looking at the beautiful tip, just right there, tempting me, making my mouth water. Oh, God. Oh, I love stroking your fucking cock. Mm. Okay, was that oh, a horror movie? Stop. Was that a horror movie or a porno? Oh my gosh. That is a porno. That is audio from pornos taken out of context are so hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um I think it's it just tells you like the the shit we put up with. Yeah. To yeah. I mean that people put up the with research, to watch porn. The research I mean, that, that I, I ha- the research that I had to do to get this game together it was substantial. Like I put <laughs> a lot of elbow grease into this. Um, I mean that has to be a porno. 
And uh, and you already said you, because, you think that's a point. I mean, yeah. if you just break it down, she's talking about his cock and like very specifically rubbing it and making I can, it harder. I mean, part I mean it doesn't sound like a metaphor. Part of this, part of making this game competitive is finding clips that could be either, right? You know, so I can really see how you might think that, you know, her talking about his cock and all that. Oh, and, come on. This is a, this is definitely a porno. I'm, that's, this is actually Scream 4. <laughs> So with that, Whoa. I think uh, I think. Oh, she was talking about it was a meta commentary because Courtney Cox was in it. Right? No, that's absolutely that's that's accurate. Oh, I didn't you, even think of that. Now, see, if you'd have guessed that before, you'd have gotten the extra point because you just, yeah, you. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I still won. I got two. Bryce comes out the winner. Yeah. Congratulations! Hooray! Yay. Good job, Bryce. Oh my God. What a what a fun game that was. I really liked that one. And uh, yeah, that was tough. I just haven't seen enough horror movies, I guess. It's or maybe you haven't seen enough porno, you know, either way. Or I or mean, that. there's so many of both. Yeah, it's it's just a constant stream. <laughs> Go on. Keep explaining it. There's a constant stream of gurgling and yeah, and uh, screaming, s- squishing sounds. Yeah, a lot of slapping. Anyway, so that is our show for today. Aaron, thank you so much for uh, for stopping by and being a part of this. Um. Thank you. <laughs> I no, think. Thank you. <laughs> so with that, I would like to extend a thanks to all of our listeners. Thank you for uh, for being a part of Horror Movie Talk. We love it when you reach out to us, when you talk to us. And um, I've and so- actually, sorry, I've got a, I just remembered I, I needed to mention another show. Please do. That we owe a plug to I got to find it real quick just a second. Sure, I will continue uh my plugs. Please share this episode with a friend and uh and th- because that's really the way that we grow. Also, if you would like to help out the show, you can uh, subscribe to Shutter and get a 30-day free trial instead of that stupid fucking 7-day free trial if you just enter HMT at checkout and that's at shutter.com. Also, if you'd like to help out the show in a in a monetary way, you can go to our website, horrormovietalk.com, and click through the Amazon Associates link there at the top. It says, buy stuff on Amazon. You do that, and then you give us a little, you know, couple couple of bucks on every purchase, and uh, that helps us out a lot. Special thanks to Aaron. Again, thank you for going to see the movie. It was delightful. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. I really enjoyed it. I hope people go see it. Yeah, me too. I, this movie was just a tremendous amount of fun. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think that everybody who's listening should go see it. Thanks also to my buddy who resubbed on, on Patreon, on Patreon after our misunder, <laughs> terrible misunderstanding over the Positiva cast. Uh, I love you, buddy. And, uh, and I hope you have a good time next week doing that thing you're going to do. So, did you, Bryce, have you figured out who I'm you wanted to thank? I'm trying to find it. Just a second. Okay, so a um, a very nice podcast left a plug for Horror Movie Talk, and so I wanted to return the favor. Uh, please go listen to The Valero Verdict. Yeah. It's a, a podcast where they tackle everything from the latest trailers in Hollywood. They review movies of new or old and even dive into some NFL predictions. And the the hosts, Ricky Valero and uh, the producer, Bailiff, are great and got got a lot of chemistry. Check them out on Twitter at Valero Verdict or at Ricky Valero. 
And you can find them on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Cast, or Podcoin. Podcoin, that's a new one for me. Anyways, uh, go check them out. Valero Verdict. Yeah, I listened to a few of their shows. Um, really, obviously, polished professional guys who who know how to who know how to podcast very well, and probably don't play a lot of uh, porno on their on their podcast. Yeah. So yeah, thank you very much, Valero Verdict. We appreciate it. And with that. Thank you guys again, and have a good week. We love you. Bye-bye. French.